0: Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hey, what's up? My name is Rochelle Lucero, and I'm the host of the Clumsy Theosis podcast. I'm super excited that you are here because today this is episode number two in our latest series on spiritual warfare with an emphasis on the armor of God. We're going to be talking about the armor of God, which St. Paul talks about when he writes to the Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. We're going to be talking about this until Pentecost. Every week, we're going to learn how to use one of those seven pieces of armor that St. Paul outlines. We're going to talk about what it means in context of spiritual war and how to actually apply and use it in your own personal armory. So get excited because my hope is by the end of this whole series, you're going to be like spiritually buff and able to take on the enemy no matter what he throws at you because I don't know if you are aware of this, but there's a spiritual battle going on. And according to the Lord, that battle has been going on since the beginning of time, and it's not going to end until the last day. And you and I, we are children of God. And because we're children of God, we have been conscripted to fight in these daily battles. And by virtue of our baptism, we share in Christ's power over ourselves, over sin, and over Satan. So Let's exercise that authority, right? And this is a great place to start learning how to fight in this spiritual combat by understanding our armor, right? Because the whole armor of God that Paul tells us about in Ephesians, this is going to be our protection. You know, it's defensive, but it's also offensive. But first, we got to figure out what every piece is, how it works, how we are supposed to be able to get the most out of it. How to be victorious, how to glorify the Lord, and let's be honest, to also stick it to the enemy, right? Today, we are talking about the belt of truth. That is our first piece of armor. It is the first piece we are told to put on in chapter 6, verse 14, when St. Paul says, Stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth. So here's the game plan we are going to talk about the belt of truth. We're going to talk about girding your loins, what exactly the loins are, and how you gird them and what that means in a spiritual sense. We're also then going to take it further and talk about the application of that. So let's get into it. What is the belt of truth? Well, I think that's obvious. That's what happens when you combine Batman's utility belt with Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. No, obviously, I'm joking. Um, Let's look at truth first. What is truth? And this is not some big, scary philosophical question like we tend to make it out in 2021, right? At least not for the church fathers. For them, this was a very simple, straightforward question in the early church because we know that Jesus tells Thomas in scripture, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for the early church fathers, that was it, right? So in all of the writings of the church fathers, whenever they're talking about the belt of truth, They all come to the consensus that it is Christ and it is obvious. It's a no-brainer. So now that that's cleared up, is it really cleared up for us? Because what does it mean then to gird your loins with Jesus, the truth? All right. To understand that, we have to explore what it means to gird your loins. And today we say girding your loins, we use it as an expression to mean to prepare for something difficult. Uh, You see it in movies a lot when like, A hellish boss arrives at work and like all the employees are like, oh, gird your loins, you know, prepare for a difficult day or whatever. Yes, that is true to an extent, but there's more. Hello, there's always more. So we're going to do this in two steps. We're going to talk about the loins and then what it means to gird them. When St. Paul is talking about the loins, he's speaking about them in very general terms. He's referring to the general area or the region of the body where you would find the loins, which is the pelvic region. And that is also the lowest area or the lowest part of your torso, which is the foundation of your torso. And the rest of your frame is going to be built upon that, right? So you'll get your Spine and then your ribs and your collarbone, right? So, if you're going to go from bottom to top, everything kind of relies on this pelvic region. It relies on the loins as its base, its foundation. So, let's think about this in terms of action, right? In terms of movement. I grew up as a dancer, and the first thing that I learned or I figured out really quickly (laughs) was how to find as well as how to maintain my center of balance right? And the same thing is true for people that do boxing or the martial arts or gymnastics or any sort of similar activity, right? You have to keep your center. And where is your center? Like, where is your center located? It's in that bottom region of your torso, which is that same general area where you would find the loins. And your center, that's your foundation, right? You have to keep your foundation strong. You have to stay centered. All right, so let's also look at a metaphorical understanding of the loins. I'm sure most people have heard this saying, below the belt. And what does it mean, below the belt? Usually we use this when we're referring to someone saying something or doing something that can strike you to your core or it can um, rock your foundation, right? Or it has the potential to do either of those things, right? Below the belt is obviously understood as an area that is foundational or that is core to who you are. And that's where we find the loins, right? So I think we get the point by now that the loins are the area that we would constitute as your foundation, as your center. All right, so let's move on to girding of those loins. So to gird something means to encircle it or to bind something around your abdomen And keeping in the theme of armor, soldiers used to do this, right? They would bind their abdomen in order to support and to strengthen themselves underneath their external armor. And today you might see people who are doing manual labor. You might see them wearing some sort of a support belt or also mothers who are super pregnant, you know, they might get to the end of their pregnancy and need a little extra support. And so they might wear like a belt or some sort of like tape around their abdomen to help strengthen them. Them. Because once all of these people have girded themselves with whatever device they're going to be using, they're ready to face the challenge that is in front of them, right? And um, when I was reading about all of this and doing my research, it reminded me of the very first Passover. Because the Hebrews were told how they should eat their Passover. They were told that they should eat it with their loins girded, with their sandals on their feet, with their staffs in their hands, right? And they shall eat in haste because they were supposed to be ready ready to listen to the Lord, to follow the Lord, to do what he tells them, right? So they were ready for what came next. The same way that soldiers and people who are doing labor and pregnant mothers are ready to face the challenge that is ahead of them because they have girded themselves. So to gird our loins, when we put all this together, is to say that we are reinforcing our foundation. We're protecting and strengthening our center so that we can be prepared and ready. And what are we ready for? We're ready for the spiritual battle that we face every single day, right? That's the point of girding our loins. But let's put this in, in a spiritual perspective now. Um, let's look at our center and our foundation. And from a spiritual stance, this is going to be our soul and to protect, to strengthen, to reinforce our soul, in order to do that, we would encircle it with the belt of truth, which is Christ. Now that can sound a little bit abstract at first thought, but Christ is not abstract. He is so tangible and accessible to us, right? We can find him in the scriptures. We can definitely find him in the Eucharist, right? That's his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we can also meet with him in prayer you've probably heard this phrase before, to make Christ the center of your life, right? This is the goal. This is the ideal, right? This is something that we always want to do. But think about it now in terms of arming yourself for the spiritual battle. Think about wrapping your center, your foundation, you know, your soul, wrapping it with the scriptures, with the Eucharist, with a relationship with Christ in order to strengthen it, in order to reinforce it, right? That's what it means to gird your loins with the belt of truth. That gives this phrase, to make Christ the center of your life, I think it gives it a lot more urgency, right? Or am I am I alone in that? For me, I'm just like, oh yeah, for sure. It's no longer just the ideal to make Christ the center of my life. No, this is a necessity to make Christ the center of my life because this is the foundation point of all of the armor that I have to wear in order to be victorious in my daily spiritual battles oh, wow, we're making really good time. I just looked up at the clock and this is going a lot faster than I thought it would. This is awesome. Okay, so we now know what it means to gird our loins with the belt of truth and we have a practical understanding of exactly what we need to do in order to do that. And we could end there, but we're not going to because I think it's going to be a very beneficial for us to understand where this will be helpful in our spiritual battle, right? It's we have to look at our battlefield and we have to see what tactical advantage the belt of truth is going to give us. Okay. But really quick, I almost forgot. We have a new patron. So happy, so excited. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm really excited that you are on board. High five, girl. Um, Yeah, Clumsy Theosis is 100% listener supported, which means I rely on the donations from all of my listeners in order to keep the show going because there's costs involved, a lot more than you would think, a lot more than I ever thought. So thank you for everyone who has ever donated. Special thank you to Michelle today. And if you would like to become a donor, please pray about it. And then head over to clumsytheosis.net Click the word donate in the menu, and it's going to show you the options that you have if you want to donate monthly and become a patron. If you want to do a one-time donation, there's options for that also. So, clumsytheosis.net, click the word donate in the menu. But we're on to our practical application with regard to the belt of truth. And for that, we need to return to the letter to the Ephesians and look at the placement of this section on the armor of God. Where is this in the letter? What is our lay of the land here in the scriptures? Well, it comes at the end of the letter after, this is kind of funny, after Paul is talking about the Christian household and after he's talking about children and parents and then slaves and masters and how everyone is supposed to behave. And after he talks about all of them, then he talks about arming them. It's not for them to fight against each other. That is what I was saying is funny because in my mind, that was like the first thing I thought of, even though I knew it wasn't true. It was just comical. Anyways, Uh <laughs> We know, especially from last week, who we are fighting against. In Ephesians 6 12, St. Paul says we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. However, I was reading something by St. John Cassian, who was a monk in the fourth century, and he wrote, um, a lot of his most famous writings are with regard to reforming the life of the Egyptian monasteries, with regard to their rules and their prayer and their spiritual lives. With regard to the spiritual life, this is something that he said, um, it ties into the enemy that we fight in our spiritual battle. He said, for it is not an external enemy. Whom we have to dread. Our foe is shut up within ourselves, and eternal warfare is daily waged by us. And if we are victorious in this, all external things will be made weak, and everything will be made peaceful and subdued for the soldier of Christ. Okay, now this is one of those paradoxes where it seems like St. Paul and St. John Cassian are at odds with each other, that they're contradicting each other, but no, this is just an obvious, you know. Typical Catholic paradox because these two things actually work in tandem. And I think St. John Chrysostom, he has something to say on this, which will clarify it for us and show how what St. John Cassian and St. Paul have to say, how they work in tandem. So St. John Chrysostom points out when St. Paul is explaining the importance of the armor of God and how to use it, the first reason, the main reason he gives for using the armor of Christ or putting on the armor of Christ is so that we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now that word wiles is not one that we hear a lot today. So this is what St. John Chrysostom says with regard to the wiles of the devil. The devil never proposes to us sins in their proper colors. He does not speak of idolatry, but he sets it off in another dress using wiles. That is making discourse plausible, employing disguises, right? So basically, he's tricking us. He's very skilled at deception. Um, He's going to get in our head. He's going to manipulate our thoughts, our emotions, our fears, our desires, and our motivations behind things, right? And so the enemy is how St. Paul described in his letter, right? It, It is an external foe, but he's using his crafty wiles to target with an attempt to manipulate our innermost thoughts and emotions and so on. So what does this have to do with the household, with the family as such that St. Paul speaks about before he tells us to armor up in his letter? Okay, think in terms of warfare. The household is your base camp. Now, a household could include a number of different members. They could be your immediate family, if you have roommates, if you have, you know, community, if maybe even like your coworkers or your close friends or maybe an extended family, right? This is your household. These are the people that, that you're most familiar with in one way or another. Okay, so your household is your base camp, right? And so it has to be a fortress against the enemy, right? It needs to remain strong and impenetrable. And what does the enemy want us to do all the time? He wants us to sin, right? He wants to separate us from the love of God. And your household, hate to break it to you, your household is easy pickings for the enemy. Okay, let that sink in, right? And if you don't believe me, think about how you are with strangers or even acquaintances versus how you are with members of your household. Most people are... More patient and understanding, and more apt to give the benefit of the doubt when they're dealing with a stranger. They're more likely to think before they talk or before they act when they're talking to a stranger or an acquaintance, you know, someone that they don't know very well. And when it comes to the members of our household, we don't typically do that, do we? Like, we're usually more impatient and less understanding, and we take offense so much more easily, and we just react and act and just say things without thinking so much more with members of our household, right? And with that, you're going to end up causing a lot of discord and a lot of irritation and friction. And part of that, a lot of that has to do with the wiles of the devil, right? Because he's going to get in your head and he's going to magnify every single flaw of the people in your household he's going to turn their habits into the most annoying things in the world you're going to be taking offense to things that people say even if they don't mean it in an offensive way you're going to harbor resentment because that's what he does because remember your household is your base camp you need your base camp to be solid to be sturdy to be kind of a a rock and a foundation in your your spiritual battle. So, of course, he's going to go in there and make it as unsettled as possible to throw you off your game before you even, you know, get on the battlefield. St. Mother Teresa knew what she was talking about when she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. All right, I know that that might seem maybe trite or overused or whatever. But remember, the family, the home, the household, That is base camp, right? That is priority number one. Why? Because that is prime picking for the devil. He wants to put you off of your game, right? He wants you to sin. He wants you to fight and argue and have resentment and think negative things and be unloving and uncharitable towards the people in your household because that will put you out of the game before you even entered the game, right? You've been benched. Don't make it that easy for him. Make him work for it. Make your base camp, you know, which is your household, make it impenetrable by girding your loins with the belt of truth. And this is going to make you ready, ready for that fight. And every single time that you do one of these actions, that is the action of girding your loins with truth, consciously think about suiting up with this specific piece of armor. Every single time that you read the scriptures, receive the Eucharist, and you pray, think about it in terms of the belt of truth. And if you need a little bit of structure in how to implement these things in your life, first, receive the Eucharist every week. If you are not in a state of grace, schedule a confession, right? Just get to the Eucharist. That's what's important. If you can go to adoration, I know some places are opening up to allow that. If you feel comfortable and safe doing so, go to adoration. And lastly, get really cozy, really cozy with doing a rule of prayer. I have an episode called what is a rule of prayer and why you need one I know that's a shameless plug but it is really helpful having a rule of prayer is helpful and I know that that episode has helped a number of people I actually had a listener remind me of probably about a month ago that they have been they have implemented this in their prayer life since they heard the episode and it has been a game changer for them so I'll link that down in the show notes all of the quotes I used are going to be in the show notes as well as well as a link to sign up for the weekly email and some other things which I can't remember off the top of my head. So why don't you go investigate and figure out what else I put down there? Um, Next week, we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. So until next week, peace out.